0: Welcome to On The Brink, a fresh lens to take you and your business to new heights. Hi, I'm Andy Simon. I'm your host and your guide. And I'm always celebrating now. We're almost four years into doing podcasts. We have passed our 300th, and this is really exciting times. There's something that is fascinating about sharing great people's stories with other great people. And I do think that this is an important day as we're looking forward into 2022, all the kinds of things that women are trying to do to help women, not just become the best they can be, but really change our society so that women can thrive. Remember, women are more than 57% of the college graduates, more than half the doctors, half the dentists. We seem to simply have a hard time making that stick as something that people are embracing. So I brought here today Anne Grevin, Annie Grevin. And Annie has a wonderful corgi behind her that you're going to enjoy watching (laughs) as well. But it's okay. It's better than him scratching at the door. And we both love dogs. And welcome to this wonderful world of remote work, hybrid work, and what the heck. And Annie is the Global Head of Food and Agribusiness Innovation and the Food By platform at Arabo Bank. And I'm an ex-banker, and so we share lots of familiar stories about both banking, women in banking, and the kind of word innovation in banking. Really? I mean, that was always sort of like one thing you wanted to do, but oh, could we really? Um, Robobank's food and agricultural innovation platform drives collaboration between startups, corporate leaders, and investors to develop solutions to food system challenges. Now, if you aren't familiar with the challenges of food today, whether it's water and the deterioration of it, whether it's soil and the question of uh, how do you fertilize and what do you fertilize with, if it's all kinds of things with the distribution of it. And I love Aero Farms that has indoor growing centers that are growing 2 billion things of food. And, and Stop and Shop just announced they are now providing you know, indoor grown stuff. Or the Netherlands, where all their food is grown on rooftops. There's so much innovation coming in the agribusiness world that it's important for us to know about it, but also help contribute to it. And what's the role of women in this whole process? So, Annie, thank you for joining me today.
1: Thanks for having me. It's good to be here.
0: It's fun. Annie, share your own story. It's a terrific one. And it also serves as a role model for women who are looking about both financial services, but also how to bring your innovation into the mix so that you can really begin to see things through a fresh lens. Who's Annie?
1: Um, well, um, I really when I when I talk about who I am, I often say I'm a banker. I'm a 30 almost 30 year veteran banker, um, but I was very fortunate to marry my passion for food and ag when I joined Rabobank about 17 years ago, because all they focus on is supporting the food and agricultural system. While I am a, a, a person who grew up in New York on Long Island, no, no less, I. fortunate to spend a lot of uh, time out west, um, where I fell in love with the the western landscapes and the western way of life, but also in the livelihood of um, cattle ranches. So that's where my my first passion really began, um, with food and ag, um, on uh, a, a a beef um, operation uh but it's it's expanded with my love of food, my love of cooking, and all things food and agricultural related but also what's the important part of the nexus for me is that um my biggest passion, even from a very young age, was making sure that we did more to preserve the environment, and um we are now at this really fascinating time where The world is coming together to recognize the challenges of global warming and its impact. And most explicitly, you see food and ag as the center of those discussions. So um, at this point in my uh, sort of the, the next part of my career, I've really been able to embody looking at innovation and what are the sustainable solutions for building a food and agricultural system for the future. Um, Working with large companies, um, small companies to sort of help realize those ambitions. We're going to have to feed um, 50 million people um, and then 10 billion people in the next uh, by 2050. So we better get going. We have a lot of work to do um, while we also need to preserve the planet.
0: And if you look at Africa, <clears throat> some of the challenges there are the women are the agriculturalists and without sufficient water, they don't have any source of income or food. And it's very complicated because it isn't simply about irrig- irrigating better. Um, there's no way to do that. And when you look at the whole continent, you to say, wow, now I begin to understand Uh, This is not simple or easy. This is a complex global problem and we can't solve it solo. So what are you doing with Robobank and the kinds of innovations you see developing? And, And we'll talk about being a catalyst for this, a woman in this, uh, as we go through it. But I do think you're seeing some terrific ideas emerging. And we both know that innovations take time to seed and grow. But unless we f- unless we fertilize them and let them come up, and then I- <laughs> <laughs> the idea turns into nothing. Uh right. for the ideation person, what are you seeing?
1: Um, so, you know, we're seeing so many amazing things. We tend to focus on... And that seems like a very broad statement, but it's true. We we get to work with young talent who are really looking at the f- agricultural landscape differently than I may have, and even generations prior to me. They're actually looking at it with a lens for tomorrow. So whether some of this, you know, the ideas you talked about, is growing foods, maybe you'll go into a, 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 you know, instead of going into a grocery store that you know today, maybe in the future we'll be walking into a greenhouse. Um, like experience, um, or we'll think about how we are able to capture water um, from the air that and help filter, you know, arid landscapes. The technology exists, but these are the kind of things that will come forth to really become viable in the future. Um, I think, you know, when we think about what is it going to take, there's so many facets to the food and ag system that we look at, everything across the supply chain, and we call it, you know, uh, farm-to-table or farm-to-fork, and it really is uh, so many different facets of what needs to happen at the farm, at the distribution, at the warehouses, in the restaurants, getting to the grocery stores, to the consumer, and then how the consumer behaves after that. So, um that's how we look at uh, innovation and we look at solutions that help optimize more sustainable opportunities to solve problems that aren't as efficient today or aren't being solved.
0: You know, as you think about that, farm to table sounds like you know, two words. Um, but, you know, I, one of my podcasts was on uh, blockchain and how it was being put on grass fed beef in Wyoming so you could track and trace it. There was blockchain being put on um, meat coming out of Australia so you could track and trace it, even on eggs so you could track and trace it. People would not think that even Walmart is putting blockchain chips on its food so it can track and trace it. That's one of those mm, quiet innovations that has tremendous implications. If you really want to know where does your food come from and how do we make sure that If you're buying a premium piece of steak, it came or maybe you don't want to buy steak at all. And that's a whole other conversation. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, um, But are there others that you that, that really strike you as important for people to become aware of and begin to think about any things to share?
1: Well, I always I, I, I look at uh, a couple of our alumni and and Capro X is a company that I think about and how they're taking you know we all love yogurt. Well, many people love yogurt. Um, in fact, there might be too much yogurt in the in the yogurt aisle, but there is a lot of yogurt, and with a lot of yogurt, there's a lot of waste, and we call that whey waste. Um, and whey uh, waste is incredibly toxic to the groundwater. Um, so Capro X actually takes that waste and makes it into um, oils that can replace the use of palm oils or other types of oils in our food system. And that's in essence creating this closed loop technology. So that's one where you don't really think about the yogurt you might be eating or how how you got to that stage, but basically we suck out a certain amount of water and with that a certain amount of whey and that actually is a waste product. So finding ways such as Capro-X did, is amazing use of that waste. Um, Another one is, um, you know, a company that um, I'm going to encourage you all to be a part of, but Imperfect Foods. Imperfect Foods was one of those companies that was really designed around making sure that the waste that was coming off of farms, because it wasn't a perfect carrot or a perfect apple, it was either too small or too big or too ugly or to this, they were able to say, okay, you know what, these are all really good foods that the consumer who doesn't care about the perfect apple is probably gonna buy. And they've built that company in the last five years, especially during the pandemic, into a food delivery system, upcycling the waste so that us uh, us as the consumer can consume it in and in thinking about the delivery model in a way that um, really made it work. The pandemic actually was very good for them. Um, And still is, but imagine you're going to eat a carrot that otherwise either would have most likely got ground up and given to feed. You know, go ahead. You have another one. I was going to, there's one other one is like, um, there's another uh, company, um, and I'm drawing a blank, so I apologize, but I I will come back. Hopefully, the name comes to me is a company that's actually um, looking at creating. Taking the waste of carbon and making it into food, and so they're able to take a technology, and right now it's being used to feed um, uh, animals, mostly in the seafood space. But imagine if we can create capture carbon waste in the air and synthesize it into a food product. It is an amazing full circle as well.
0: Yeah, pretty cool. I was fascinated by Amazon buying Whole Foods yeah. and thinking about. Uh, if Amazon is as clever and innovative a company as it seems to be, it's been ranked among the top, if not the top. Um, could we now watch Whole Foods growing its own food and its rooftops or its basements or putting the distribution in such a way as that it eliminates transportation needs? And you may be seeing that already developing, but transportation adds a lot of, of um. Of, of air waste, of climate impact, and there aren't any drivers for the trucks. So what if I didn't need a driver for the truck? Seeing anything like that developing.
1: Well, I think that, you know, we this is definitely something that was a big issue, and it's not just in the food and ag space, but prior to COVID, f- um, people we re- willing to work on farms, work in plants, labor shortage was a massive issue. Yeah. And during the crisis, it's become an even bigger issue for many reasons. And we could have a whole podcast about that. So anything that's helping create more efficient technology, such as robotics, massive surge in robotic technology, whether it's making sure that more of the production within, um, plants is robot, you know, roboticized, making sure those, the, the, in the past, you used to have people at the end of the packing lines putting things in boxes. Now you're seeing more automation around boxing and, and distributing. And so the, now the cost of investing in that is actually at a point where it makes sense for more automation to go in all across our supply chain. Um, so that's real. Um, I think the other thing that really happened in, uh, is not just about labor, but it's it's about as you mentioned, carbon footprint, but making sure that those those are shorter, those those shipping and those transportation are shorter. So, looking more locally and building out more local accessible systems is very very real. Um, so, whether it's uh, building on our on organic farms and supply chains for those within uh, you know more um, uh, cities is is definitely one of those things that we're seeing greater demand for. Um, and innovation around.
0: Yeah, I, I guess there's a part of me that's very curious about this. And um, we had a wonderful client who had a huge ag program, and I learned a lot about lasers that could uh, milk cows. And um, and that the state department wanted them, the states department of agriculture wanted them to start to retrain the technological stuff because they still needed people who could. Um, understand how cows could be milked by machines, um, but they didn't need people to stand there and milk cows. So the human quality became more sophisticated. And then there was a gentleman in a group I was working with who grew tomatoes out in the Sacramento area. And he and his father had a big battle going on because the father said, I'll tell you when those tomatoes are ready to be picked. I'll shake the plant and I know. And he had a drone going across to tell you when the tomatoes were ready to be picked. And the two of them were arguing about two different Worldviews and the perceptions became uh, a great conversation for how difficult or how it's going to change. But it takes some time for those who have always done it by shaking the plant to realize that that drone can give you a pretty good indication of how much water is there when the plant is ready, and I can see it from my my, my desktop, including the tractors now that are autonomous vehicles and call for their own oil changes. So yeah. you know, and I'm not sure consumers or people are paying attention, they just buy their stuff. And you hope they know how to cook them well, don't you? (laughs) (laughs) All
1: right, well, we've seen, you know, um, especially the consumers' demands are also changing significantly, um, mostly because the consumer's recognizing that food really is the primary sustenance and the first um, step that they can take control of their health. And that really, once again, during COVID, really accelerated. Um, and so looking at food as medicine, looking at technologies, um, also advancements around how your body is synthesizing food. What does that mean? What do you need more of? And I think that that, you know, um, that health and wellness component of the food system is one area where we should see massive amount of innovation over the next year, whether it's Wearable, wearable technology that allows you to tell you how much fat you're synthesizing and how you're metabolizing something you have eaten and how well your body is absorbing it or how well it isn't. Those are the kind of things that we're really at the forefront. Um, and even really, radi- you know, uh, recognition on how your body is responding just by looking and maybe into a camera like this, yes. your doctor and the other scion can say, you know what, you're experiencing an allergy to strawberries I can see it based on these patterns. So I think there's so much coming um, that will connect the consumer and all of us to our food and being able to assure where that supply chain of food, so blockchain you mentioned, but also all of these uh, sensor technology that can tell you every component of what the DNA of that food is yes. and how that might impact you. So all of these things exist. It's about how they're going to get s- Um, supported and how they become relevant in our food system that um, makes it more sustainable, but also allows us to be smarter about how we use all our resources.
0: And now a word from our sponsors, Simon Associates Management Consultants. That's us. And we're here to help you see, feel, and think in new ways, whether you are an organization that's stuck or stalled or an individual in that organization who's looking to rethink their own life's journey. Simon Associates has designed programs and processes to help you do just that. Our first book, On the Brink, A Fresh Lens to Take Your Business to New Heights, told the stories of seven clients who were stuck or stalled, and a little anthropology helped them see things through a fresh lens, reignite their growth, and soar again. My new book that came out in January 2021 is called Rethink, Smashing the Myths of Women in Business. It's all about how 11 women, including myself, were able to see past the hurdles, the glass ceilings, and the brick walls, and become the best that they could be. They heard things like, women aren't lawyers, and women can't lead, and women aren't in geosciences, and they said, of course we are. And they really pushed through and did it with such ease that they want other women to see what's possible. At the end of the book, I provide a bit of a how-to process for you. If you're on the brink of rethinking your own life's journey, it's time to pause, step back, and ask yourself, where am I going? What's my passion and my purpose? And am I there or can I get there? Send us your emails to info at and we'll get right back to you to see how we can help. On andysimon.com are some free chapters for both books, and you can also join our newsletter and our Facebook group, Rethink with Andy Simon. We are bringing together women to help other women do what they can't do by themselves, very often to see what's possible and become the best that they can be. Come join us. And now back to our podcast. You said a word, though, that's very important there, because I can't tell you how many people say I'm all for sustainability. And then you ask the powerful question, and how, whether it's in your company or in your own life, I'm not sure people really understand that long supply chain that you described. And where along it, there are opportunities for becoming more sustainable, whatever that might mean. And, and this becomes an interesting question, particularly as we're seeing more vegetable mm, produce becoming food, and whether it's tofu or it's beef lookalikes or steak lookalikes, you know, will we slowly be moving to tofu as our primary? It tastes like steak, but isn't. Um, and, and and you know, what what really means sustainability? Your thoughts on the, the word and what what consumers should pay attention to?
1: Yeah. Um, well, I think there's sustainability. Is it's a very very complex supply chain. I want to be very clear that I don't expect, even I am learning all the time about what the real costs are of something I might consume. And I I use coffee as a great example to really think about what is the cost of that cup of coffee that you have every day, because we don't grow coffee in our country. So, it's grown somewhere else. And most of our coffee comes from either Latin America or parts of Africa. That means there's shipping involved. And that means there's a lot of on the ground activity that goes on. And most of the most of the coffee you drink comes from a cooperative in either Africa or Latin America. And that cooperative is probably made up of a farmer that has, you know, an, a hectare. At most of coffee. And so when you think about all the components and all the processing that happens on the ground there, and then it's gathered, it's shipped, and then it's processed, and then it's from the processing, and then that cup of coffee is probably anywhere from 20 to $75 if you are really actually putting in the real cost, fair labor. fair, And so it's quite complex. And then you add into the fact that we have global warming and the bands that we grow coffee in are changing drastically. And so where will we be growing coffee? Will those people have a survivor? So when I ask you to think about sustainability, about drinking coffee, I would, the first thing I might say is don't drink coffee, it's not sustainable. (laughs) But how can you make that experience more sustainable? And so what I always ask the consumer and myself to do is for yourself, think about consciously what is it that you're consuming and how is it that you're consuming and what within your own control you can change to make a difference. Um, And because I think that we can all do something we can, you know, I don't want to dwell on what we've done in our home because it might alienate people. But I would say that just thinking about how you guys can be more sustainable. Like if you have used coffee grounds, maybe composting those or, things of that nature, because coffee grounds are very good for your garden, things like that.
0: Yep. Well, but then if you have a quarry, you have a real problem because you have the plastic. And where does that go? And,
1: and uh, that
0: coffee, the, the planters have their own challenges with, um, with, with uh, the kinds of uh, diseases that are attacking the coffee plants at different altitudes. And, and this is nothing is easy, is it? And, uh, and yet we do love our coffee.
1: And you know when we look at what's happening right now with the big energy transition and it's something i can s- safely talk about without probably alienating um my clients <laughs> um is that you know everyone is very keen on batteries but the reality is the big component to batteries is lithium yes and there is a finite supply of lithium so is battery and you know and there's mining for like you have to get lithium from somewhere So there are many components to, while it might be cleaner from an admission standpoint, is it really better? Yes. And so this is what adds to the complexity of these sustainable conversations, which is why we're going to all have to make choices. And they have to be different and modeled differently from how we've made them in the past, making clear indicators of what's of the primary importance and what has the longest impact for health and wellness of our planet. Those are not easy questions, but I think we're at least talking about them now and we weren't before.
0: And I hope they're beginning to be taught in some schools so that my grandkids can begin to have a mindset about what is intentionally doing the right thing for both their own health, because this is the same thing. You know, we're part of this environment, so it isn't as if it's an afterthought. It's the thought. As we start our conversation, you and I were talking about the role of women in this world of innovation as well as in banking. And I do want to leave without going back to the role models, the way in which women have roles to play within um, the innovation uh, platform. Uh, and and I, I know you had some particular perspectives on it, and I thought I'd give you an opportunity to share them because this has been—I uh, love this conversation. I could talk this
1: because it's like I could talk about food all day long. Food <laughs> yeah. bag, give
0: it. Yeah. it food. But you see, my my passion—I'm a corporate anthropologist that helps companies and the people inside them change, and they hate me. <laughs> um, even when they know they need to. And you have the same mission in front of you, where we've got to change the way the world thinks about everything. And, and along that entire supply chain, a whole lot of folks are going to say, go away, go away, go away, don't bother me, um, because nothing is simple. So, what's the role of women in all of this? Do you have any perspective?
1: Yeah, um, I, I thank you for the question, and, and there's so many places I want to go with that, but maybe I'll start with a story, because I think sometimes stories are, are the best indicator of, of why and what, where our focus should be. Um, last week, you know, it's the end of the year, and I, I know this might be airing later in the year, but um, it's right now we're in December, um, and it's the time that uh, a few of us have been able to gather with clients. Um, and we we have had uh, the chance to meet with folks that we haven't been able to do in quite a while, um, and so going into those rooms again, um, where mm-hmm. we have a hundred plus people, everyone was tested. Everyone was safe. I want to assure you, and I want to assure everyone, it was no one. It wasn't. Um, it was all very controlled.
0: No super spreader.
1: There was. It was not a super spreader event. No one got COVID, but everyone tested beforehand, and everyone was vaxxed that attended. But What I was struck by, um, with both the recent two recent events that I attended is that both finance, both food and ag is the lack of women Mm -hmm. in the room and that it actually was alarmingly smaller than I had recognized in past years. So we, it really was the first time, you know, we've been hearing about women stepping out more. It, it was very present in this conversation. And so, um, I started talking about it um, pretty openly with the uh, CEOs that were in the room as well as former CEOs and there really was a concern they were genuinely concerned about this lack of representation juxtaposed that same those two same events, I had invited some of our uh, three of our actually five but three were were run by women of our startups that we really thought were doing something groundbreaking to attend these events. And in many cases, they were really representative of the women of the future. One was a company um, called Mazin Health, um, and she um, is really developing a uh, health um, a platform for uh, the, the pig industry, um, swine specifically, um, so that we don't have to use antibiotics. Um, the other was Kyle, Kyle Works, um, where Natasha is um, really advancing fermentation and in food so that you don't have to use per, uh, preservatives. Yeah, And the other one was Agua Bonita, which are these two amazing women who started this company while they both had just started Started their families because they saw a need to have a more authentic beverage that um, spoke to their their roots, which was aquafresca. These three women represented the future, and they were not afraid of taking it on. Big food. They were talking to some of the biggest food and ag companies without any, without asking permission, without looking for excuses, and so they were my hope. And why is it important? Because that was your question. Why is it important that these women are doing what they do? It's important because they bring a perspective that is different than even my perspective, but it's also different from someone who's running a large company who might come out of, I would say, a very male-dominated workforce because they're all about finding solutions and Mm -hmm. seeing through boundaries. because they're running a startup and there's nothing but boundaries for them. And so I look to these women and nothing but, you know, uh, I emulate them. um, And I want to create the path for them because they are the female leaders of uh, that we need for tomorrow. And in finance, you know, Andy and I spoke quite a bit about this. I see having to take the same stance for attracting women to finance and why is finance important because a lot of money is distributed from the financial networks, and that institutes power. And we need to make sure that we have more control over how money is allocated, not only to young, blossoming entrepreneurs like the ones I mentioned, but to other companies which may be led by minorities, but maybe those that have a a purpose that is about preserving the planet, that is beyond just Instead of maybe instead of making twenty five percent return, maybe they make twenty three percent return, or maybe they make twenty four percent return, or twenty percent return, because they've taken a different path.
0: bigger there than just um, return. Um, yeah. uh, I don't. I don't want you to end our conversation because we can talk about this uh, mostly because uh, the the work that we're both trying to do is to move that needle forward. But it's it's so. It's not, not simply a thing that you can twist in some fashion. And the research is, is fascinating that the, people will give money to people who look like them. So who are the, the funders? They tend to be guys. And what do they like to do is give it to someone who's handsome and looks like themselves, like a guy. Only 2.4% of the venture capital money go to women. These women have purpose. They have something beyond simply the profits. It's a different story. That doesn't necessarily resonate with the investors whose story is about what they are, can they sustain it? The questions they ask are disconnected to the purpose of what they're trying to do. So there's an emerging opportunity to transform the whole conversation. And these women are asking, pressing, pushing. I I am in awe of their... Uh, Gusto—they're they, they, gusto. You know, they don't really care. They're going to make it happen somehow, and and the society that we're living in demands it because we will not survive on this planet unless we make changes sooner than later. Because there won't be anything left to change. And when you look at evolution. Um, it's never been any easier. You know, it's not ever easier. Do you think people gave up horses to pick up the car? No. You know, they threw, they put wire, barbed wire around the Ford and threw stones at it because it was, you know, evil. Um, they have been riding horses for 4,000 years. Who would ever do anything other than ride a horse? So it's never been simple to bring new things into existence, um, but somehow we keep pushing forward. And my hope is that, through the eyes of folks like these women, there are men as well. Not to diminish them, somehow we can open up new ways of um, of transforming us and the world. And and it's it's got to happen now. We can't wait a hundred years because we're not going to make it. Um, so how fast can we help them and support them? And and I'm going to say this and hug them um, because in some ways we're all committed to what they're trying to do, aren't we? Yeah. You know. Without a doubt. We're about ready to wrap up. A last thought or two to give our audience, you know, something to walk away with other than hope. And I think that's something that you've shared with us because it's what you're yeah. talking about are, they're full of hope and I think big ideas. And if, if we're going to make this happen, it's going to be together collaboratively.
1: Yeah, and I would say the, the one thing I'd like to end on, because it's something that I'm going to ask of the audience, it's like, what is the one thing you can take on especially as, you know, it is December, we'll be thinking about January, maybe you make promises for the next year, um, maybe not, but it, believe it or not, a lot of the change is in each and every one of us in our control. So when you think about that one thing that you might be able to do different, and how it could influence and have rippling influence, and, you know, remember, if you smile, it's infectious.
0: Yes, it's true.
1: So, it's the same thing here. If you just decide that one thing and commit to it, to yourself, to the future, it will have a, it will make a difference.
0: Yep. And and we'll celebrate. Because if you celebrate, your mind remembers it. So yep. my urging is after you make that commitment and you make your New Year's resolution and you actually start to do it, write it down in your gratitude diary every day. And you'll wake up in the morning with a smile that you're making the world a better place to live. Uh, a day at a time, an action at a moment. And and you can be a a movement for sustainability without doing much more other than I don't know. I'm not going to say change your coffee, but that could be part of it. <laughs> and Anna, Annie will come back sometime and tell her how she's transformed her home. There uh, you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we're all on um, a very important uh, my, my book is called On the Brink because we are on the brink. And my new book is called Rethink, because that's what we have to do. And as I put them next to each other, I said, I guess that's who we are, right? Not just who yeah. I but we are. So I want to thank the audience for coming today. Whether you're viewing it or you're listening, Annie Grevin has been our guest, and I have just enjoyed every minute of it, as you can tell. She said that smiles are contagious. They are. I'm not going to say we're monkeys, but we are. (laughs) And when you watch her energy and you listen to her thoughts, um, it is a time for both business and people and our society to change Because unless we do it a day at a time, a person at a time, um, we've got some real tough road to hold here. I'm Andy Simon. Uh, This is On the Brink with Andy Simon. As you know, I love to help you see, feel, and think in new ways. In my book, Rethink, there are 11 women's stories. They're like Annie and the women that she was talking about. And I wrote the book so that other women could have role models. So I'm going to urge you, the book is one year old just about now. It came out on January 5th, right before the January 6th myths. but we launched and the book has done extremely well. The reviews are fabulous and I'm anxious for more and more women to read it and see what they can be. One of the first reviewers said, now I have a book I could give to my 13-year-old daughter. She's a minority, but now she can actually see how women can become the best that they can be. And and if that's you know really important for us sustainability yes but these are women who are making a difference not for just profit but for purpose to make the world a better place and I do think that's what we're all about so thank you all for coming and remember I love your emails they come from around the world just a little note um, listen notes so we're in the top five percent of global podcasts. Four years into it, I'm honored and I'm delighted. But your emails help us bring new people onto the stage and to share their thoughts. So I'm going to say bye to Annie, Previn. Wish you all happy holidays. Uh, this is going to come out after the holidays, but what the heck? You can have a happy holiday all the time. Goodbye, everybody. Have a great one. Bye bye now, Annie.
1: Thanks, Andy.